another edition of the Kaiji Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts... Jessica! And I am Chris Eaton. And this is a special uh, uh, by-state edition, because, Jessica, where are, you, uh, where, are you, where are you phoning in from right now? Oh, actually, I'm currently in Vegas. Sweet Sin City. Oh, ironically, Jessica's in Vegas now, and uh, I'll be in Vegas as she's leaving. We'll be like two ships crossing in the night. You know, just doing that kind of signaling. Yeah. <laughs> You're there for business. I'm there. I'm going there this weekend to watch men in tights throw each other around and then be a drunk idiot um, who spends all of his life savings on roulette because that's what I do in Vegas. But we digress. You know why, Jessica? It is an amazing, weird, and wacky time we live in. I know I say this just about every single uh Actually, I see it for just about every single podcast I do because it just seems like every day there's something new that's like, God, 20 years ago, we would have all murdered for this, and now it's just it's flowing, kind of like a faucet you can't turn off. <sighs> massive, massive, massive news, Jessica, that broke literally hours ago as we record this. Yes, yes, it is. It is. I was very, very excited. I mean, I was in the middle of doing some work things. So, but then, you know, Chris texted me and I was like, yes, this is amazing. And uh, unlike the, unlike, uh, ironically, unlike last year when we got kind of the same news, which Jessica was like, okay, we, you know, I sent her the exact same message. Just like, yes, let's do it tonight. Last time she's like, Please rest for about two days, and then we can talk about this. As I was ailing from, uh, God only knows what I was ailing from that time, but I was ailing from something. But yes, I remember you were very, you were sick. Yes, uh, it, it, uh, the rare illness too. Because I don't get sick a lot. Um, because uh, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of a dirty person. So uh, we talked about a few episodes ago. The sad news that it looked like Legendary, or at least Universal, put the kibosh on Pacific Rim 2. And uh, everyone just, there was that wah, wah kind of sound where we all kind of lowered our heads. And we're like, damn it. And then a few days later, Guillermo del Toro gets on the blower that is uh, Twitter. And it's like, hey, don't believe everything you hear. He's still going on, okay? So, turns out that uh, there was some truth to that. And uh, I think think it has to do with the sale of legendary to these the, to that Chinese conglomerate that giant media conglomerate that bought like I believe it was like 70% stake in them or something like that yeah yeah so uh, what the rumor was was that hey you know Pacific Rim did uh, great in China China now owns uh, legendary perhaps there will be more giant robots fighting monsters and Jessica indeed there will be because today, Legendary officially announced that Pacific Rim 2 is back on, and Universal will be releasing it. So, c- celebration for all! Yay! Yes! Yes, it is. Well, the thing is, you know, it did really, really well mm-hmm. uh, in China. It also had the lovely, you know, the Chinese triplets, the mm-hmm. Actor Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, who are also great stuntmen. I mean... They sadly demise in the film, mm-hmm. but you never know. You can always hire more, you know, characters that are of Asian descent. But you know, it did really well in China. So when they did make that announcement, I was like, I bet they're probably going to revive that film. 
at least not revived, but you know, try to bring back Pacific Rim too, because they, you know, when a company merges or has official stake, you tend to want to bring back properties that you tend to like or products or services yeah. that you tend to like. Well, I mean, Legendary has a movie called Great Wall coming out, which you can just take a guess from the title yes. it's about. Ironically, it's a sci-fi thriller, too. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but, yeah, so it, it pretty much, uh, as people have been saying, China is dictating the box office. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jessica, I mean, your family's from that region. Is, I mean, is there that much love for uh, for the Hollywood blockbuster in that area? Um, say that for me one more time. I mean, considering the, like, I don't know, I'm just kind of sure you're, since, um, I'm trying to get a, a little bit of insight here. So considering that you, you, your family comes from that region, I'm not, yes, yes. Uh, is, I mean, is the, the lust, the hunger for, you know, the big budget blockbuster really that thriving? I mean, numbers say yes, but is it just, is it because that China doesn't, I mean, ch- for the longest time, I mean, Hong Kong was in the 90s the bastion of great filmmaking. I mean, with John Woo, I mean, people were coming out of there, like, f- action films were redefined out there. And then it kind of seemed like everything kind of took a nosedive, and now it seems like America's come in with the cheeseburger, and pretty much it's just like, this is big fatty, but it's delicious, and everyone seems to like it. So, uh, is it just that, you know, China's just like, yeah, let's move away from this, and then let's just enjoy this. You know, I think I think a lot of it was they were we were really good at like they were really good at like wiring like mm-hmm. the wire stunts and a lot of like action and martial arts that took a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. And then when CGI became really big, America clearly took the lead. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Asian entertainment ever really caught up during like the late nineties to the two thousands. But now with money and technology forthcoming, anything is possible. And, you know, we don't, they love major blockbuster films, but you, you do tend to be more excited when you see someone that you can identify with, characters that you can identify with, which is right, right now why, you know, LGBT groups and also minority groups really want to see, like, a lot of minority or other type of characters on Western cinema mm-hmm. or Western TV. So I think the fact that, CGI is getting better for them. And the fact that they love Pacific Rim because of the triplet brothers, they really held on to that. It's like finding one small thing that you like about that film and then really holding on to that because therefore it kind of salvages the entire film for you. Mm. You know, and I know currently there's actually a film out uh, from China, actually from Hong Kong, called The Monkey King 2. Mm, like it's, it's based off of the journey you know, Journey to the West stories. And it broke records, and it has both practical and CGI. It's not as great as, like, (laughs) the Western, you know, culture, but I saw it actually recently with my parents, and it was actually really good for what it was. I was very surprised, and it definitely broke records. So if they can do it for both an American film, like Pacific Rim, and an Asian film, Mm -hmm. like The Monkey King 2, then I can definitely see them really moving forward with that, especially with companies like the one in China that now has majority stake, you know, in legendary. So that, so the announcement came rejoicing, but there was a caveat with it, Jessica. 
Yes, there was. And uh, that has caused great debate uh, amongst uh, the internet community in the uh, in the hour since its announcement that uh, Guillermo del Toro will not be directing Pacific Rim 2. So, yeah, we got that. And uh, Jessica, who will be directing Pacific Rim 2? Actually, it's Stephen DeKnight. Mm-hmm. He is most known for Spartacus and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Guillermo del Toro is still the producer. Yes. So, so like how, however, you know, people, you know, I'm sure people want to see, mm-hmm. you know, they're used to Del Toro directing it. I almost feel like in a way they took someone who was doing well for himself and it is currently popular because of Daredevil and Daredevil season two is coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. he's no longer tied to it, no. but, you know, I mean, he's known for that. I kind of feel like it's almost legendary, like we'll make Pacific Rim too. Del Toro, but only if someone else directs it. But you can produce it. Like I would not be surprised if that's actually what went what went down. Well, I mean, with with I mean, it's the, there's the Del Toro curse that if you follow his career, you know all about it. That he attaches himself to about mm, 15 projects, and 14 of them will never see the light of day. Um, this has happened. I mean, most famously, he was set to do The Hobbit, and he spent three years on pre-production on it and then he had to leave because MGM was going through a bit of uh, financial turmoil at the time and they're just like yeah we don't know when this is going on he's like I, I've been in New Zealand for three years I need to go home to my family so he goes home and he's like alright well guess what I'm free let's do mountains at, at the Mountains of Madness and Universal's like okay and when he turned in his script they're like what is this he's like this is my giant horror film I want to do James Cameron's going to produce. They're like, yeah, we're not doing a giant R-rated horror film that's uh, kind of an action film because, you know, that's not going to make a ton of money. You know, smash cut to a week ago, Deadpool, number one movie at the box office, highest grossing R-rated movie in history. You know, just it's kind of weird how things work that way. And uh, so when Mountains of Madness falls apart, he jumps on Pacific Rim. And one Pacific Rim kind of ebbed after its release then he was like all right well i got justice league dark i got a you know uh the uh he was going to do oh he attached himself i think he attached himself to um pinocchio he had a pinocchio movie he was working on too and then uh he signed on to do uh scary stories to do in the dark when pacific rim 2 kind of took a nosedive again because it wouldn't be a del toro project if something didn't go amiss and now he's got his name attached to a few other projects, and pretty much I got a feeling that Legendary is like, we're not going to wait around. Um, if you want to go do these, that's fine. And plus, it seems like that Legendary is kind of, it seems like they're kind of wrangling control and making Pacific Rim kind of a Legendary thing and not a Guillermo del Toro thing. And which, ironically, is, is, um, is just kind of talking about it this before. Del Toro created Pacific Rim, but he didn't create Pacific Rim. That was Travis Beecham. It, it, basically, if you put it like this, Travis Beecham built the foundation and the structure of the, uh, of the house that is Pacific Rim, but Del Toro was the interior decorator of it and really kind of made the feng shui and everything work. So, uh, you know, it's, there, there's a world there. Del Toro really helped settle and and... and well, actually, he really helped build that world because uh, if you read the original Beecham script, I mean, there was there was a lot that was in the movie, but there was a hell of a lot that was not in the movie that you could tell was Del Toro's imprint. 
And, you know, he really made this great lived-in world with a lot of mythology to it. Now it seems like, you know, Legendary kind of wants to run with that and expand upon it and kind of make it their own thing and not have to worry about one director being attached to it for forever, a la Transformers and Michael Bay. So if Legendary has plans to do a few more Pacific Rims, it could turn into a Marvel thing where it's like you get a new director team or you get you get a new director or or directors and writers to really kind of come in and take a stab at the world that there's an overall creation uh, to that, you know, someone will oversee. More than likely, Del Toro will oversee, or at least remain, you know, a, and a producing uh, portion of it, but won't, you know, be directing it. If you could follow everything I just said, it is late once again as we record this. So, but people not happy that Stephen DeKnight is uh, directing this, Jessica. There is a, there's a bit of turmoil about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I think, who are really, really expecting Del Toro to do it is not really excited that somebody else is. Mm -hmm. And I think, but the thing is, we haven't even seen a single footage. Obviously, it's too, too, too early. Mm -hmm. And he's not really notorious to know, to make crap. I mean, say what you want, I guess, about Spartacus. Mm -hmm. People like it, people don't like it, I can't say. You know, overall, people do, they do like Daredevil a lot, from what I understand. Um, however, you know, he's not kind of like, I don't know, Emily Shalman, maybe, who's yeah. just like taking a nosedive. So you would have, I guess, more of a reason to be in doubt. Mm -hmm. But we haven't really seen anything yet, and we know he could do violence. I don't know if people think he can do violence well. I can't speak for others, but I don't think we could really... I mean, you could be, like, kind of disappointed, but I don't think you can have full-on hatred because we haven't even seen anything yet. So how would we know, really? So I kind of feel like, yeah, the Internet is very quick well, to I mean, judge. I mean, it is it is something to say that... Um, I mean, look, uh, when the Russo brothers were announced to direct uh, Captain America Winter Soldier... Of only, course, yes. The, the only thing that they the, there was only two major things they had to their name. One was You Me and Dupree, a uh, mediocre comedy starring Owen Wilson. The second was a lot of episodes of Community. So, yes, know, as much as <laughs> as much as Community is great, people are like, I don't know. These are the guys that did You Me and Dupree, and they're cackling Captain. It's like everyone assumed. Everyone assumed like. Captain America, you know, they're going to aim for more comedic, you know, uh, stance on it. And of course, when the movie came out, everyone's like, "Holy sh! Snikes! This is not this is nowhere what we thought. This is like a awesome '70s spy film, and it remains my favorite Marvel movie to this date." Um, it, so it pretty much shows it's like sometimes just give somebody a chance, you know, it, it, especially if you don't, if they really don't have a track record to, to speak of. I mean, look, last week, best case example, uh, Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool. Never directed a feature film in his life. The man is 50 years old. Now, he uh, does run a production company, and he has directed a lot of... He's directed commercials and a lot of video game stuff. Like, he does a lot of, uh, like, uh, cutscene stuff. In fact, his probably his most famous work, if anybody listening to this, would be the, the third Arkham game, the prequel game. And he did, the commer he did that commercial. It's a fantastic commercial where you see Bruce throughout the years. So you see him as a little kid, and he's smiling and happy, and there's this music playing in the background, and he looks up, and you hear a gunshot go off. And before 
the, sh the shots even finished, it smashes, it smash cuts to his face, and it's dour, and he's at a funeral, and it's raining, and then another bullet goes off, and then he's in grades, he's in some sort of prep school, and he's his face is all smashed in like he's fighting, and then smash cut again, and he's in a gi, and he's beaten butt, and then smash cut to him training as an adult, uh, you know, not quite Batman yet, and then smash cut to the last bullet, that final shot of him and the cow, just pissed all hell, and then beaten ass on some criminals. That was Tim Miller. That was the that was the most wide known thing he had done before Deadpool. Got a chance to do Deadpool. Showed the world a, you know, hey, sometimes something great comes from the person you least suspect. And he knocked it out of the park. If you haven't seen Deadpool, a, don't take your kids because it is not a kids movie. But b, it is a fantastically well-made film. It is astonishing. And the fact that this guy is a first-time feature film director, you know, it, it, it's, you know, if anybody, if the internet had their way, they would have cast, you know, at, at back then, when it was announced, like 2010, it's like, oh, get Nolan or get someone like that. Someone that, you know, people kind of, they we stray to what we know. And that's what we base everything off. That's why whenever there's like an unknown... Uh, equa uh, quantity in the equation, we're always a bit skeptical. So, uh, I would say give Stephen tonight a chance. Daredevil was delightful. It's a fantastic show. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, he was the showrunner. Giving credit where credit's due, Drew Goddard did lay down the foundation for that show. Ironically, he had to leave the show because he was like, I'm going to go make a movie. And that movie was supposed to be the Sinister Six film, which ended up getting kiboshed. And now we got a, uh, <laughs> a Suicide Squad movie coming out, which is what the Sinister Six film is going to be. And I'm pretty sure everyone at Sony just hates themselves now. And uh, so, yeah, so I would say give Stephen DeKnight a chance. Um, you might be surprised at what he can what he can pull out. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, we really haven't seen anything yet. Mm -hmm. So, no, I, I totally get what you mean. I mean, it was, to many people, I think their disappointment was actually just rooted in surprise. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, the, you yeah, know, I mean, it is something that... They the, just really didn't know. Yeah, I mean, this came out of left field. This was like an 8 o'clock announcement. So, this was like the last bit of news for the day, and it was... I, I, I'm pretty sure Legendary was very uh, um, very specific in releasing it at that point because that'll be like, you know, it's 11 o'clock. Everyone's just like, ah, one more thing before I, you know, go to bed. And that'll be the that'll be the thing that they see at night before they go to bed. It's like, oh, they're going to make another Pacific Rim. Um, the thing, okay, so let, let's go back real quick. Uh, <coughs> the, we found out there was going to be a Pacific Rim 2 back in 2004. Uh, 14. It was actually June 26 of 2014. So we're now in 2016. So we're coming on almost two years later. It was originally supposed to come out next April in 2017. Then it got pushed back to next August. Now, there is technically still room for it to come out next year. And seeing that uh, Legend of only has one giant monster movie coming out next year, that being King Kong, uh, there's still time and room for it to come out. And the fact that you know, they are switching up the cast and stuff. Uh, from what we know, is that you know newer cast or you know some old returning characters, but they're going to focus on something else. God only knows where they're going to go because uh, 
the first one kind of wraps itself up in a nice neat little package so i'm very curious of where this is going to go if they're going to go with the independence day resurgence angle it's like we knew they'd be back so we had to build bigger better jaegers just just in case um it's uh that's that's where the fun is going to be at uh not only that but uh the original writer for the sequel which was zach penn uh not on this one He's uh, apparently his his script has been pushed to the side for uh, um, John. Uh, uh, I can't remember to pronounce Spats Spates, S P A I T S. The uh, the gentleman that wrote Prometheus when it was an alien movie before Damon Lindelof got a hold of it and mangled it. Um, if you ever get a chance, go look, go read that that draft of uh, Aliens he wrote. It's actually a it would have been a much better movie had uh, Lindelof and and uh, uh, Ridley Scott not coming in and be like, yeah, we're not going to go this direction. So, uh, I got a lot of hope. I actually, I got a lot of hope. And plus, it's more Jaegers fighting more Kaiju. I mean, it's... Can you really complain? I mean, come on, Jessica. I mean, the fact that we're getting a sequel at all, we should all be dancing the streets and happy. Will it be any good? We won't know until it gets there. And believe me, there's a ton of people who aren't fan who are not a fan of Pacific Rim. They actually think it's the stupidest thing in the world. You know, I hate to each their own, but, uh, and, you know, you can always tell them to go to hell when you see them. It's like, hey, it's, we all think it's a great movie. So what make of that, uh, so what, so make of the, uh, the new writing, uh, you know, Jessica? Um, I'm really not so sure how, uh, I kind of feel about that. I think from what was explained to me is that the writer of Prometheus is doing it. Mm-hmm. And that it's not even really Del Toro that's really kind of there doing it. Mm-hmm. And from what from I did not see Prometheus, mm-hmm. but I had many, many, many friends who did, mm-hmm. and they range in all types of intelligence levels. <laughs> so not a single one of them I know liked it or understood what the hell was going on. Well, and even if they did understand what was going on, it was poorly executed. Yes. Well, to be fair, to be fair, uh, most of the, um, uh, the 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 insanity that came out of Prometheus was because of Damon Lindelof. So, but he also wrote that uh, that wonderful uh, movie, The Darkest Hour, about the aliens invading Russia. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which were all. It, ju- it had it had a uh, Olivia Thurby uh-huh. in it. And a uh, Speed Racer. Yes. And, oh, yeah. a, a, a spry Joel Kinnaman, before he went on the killing, and ultimately became RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was heads that were invisible that had, like, a bunch of twirly things. Although he is writing Doctor Strange, though. Or he did write the script for Doctor Strange. So, if Marvel hired him, there's, there's, there's something to that. So I would probably, you know... I would. Oh, he's also doing the Mummy too, the the Mummy reboot. Yes. You know what? I you know I knew that he was working with it with Marvel, so we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. I really don't know how the Mummy will go because the last couple movies were entertaining, but they were not great. Uh, the third one was garbage. We can all admit. We can all admit that. Uh, Scorpion King being a spinoff was what it was, but it did give us the Rock and a. Did he kind of put the rock on the map as a as a star, and uh, more rock in anything is a good thing, which I always say because he is the rock and he is wonderful. Um, 
But I oh I have fond fond love for Mummy One and Two. I love the first two Mummy movies unabashedly. Like you can tell me like these movies are are, are are crap. I'm like yeah you can go to hell because they're awesome. They're they're big fun pulp action adventures with a dash of cartooniness to them. And I that's that's what I love about them. It's also the reason why I love Van Helsing too. I uh, I love Steven Summers' body of work. And if you think that I'm nuts for it, go to hell. Because the man makes great entertainment. Is it award-winning? No. Oh, God, no. But it's fun. And sometimes people just can't look past the CGI to see the, the wonderful sugar, uh, the sugar-coated uh, beauty underneath of it. So, yeah. So, that, that it's going to be a very interesting next few months because there is no release date set for this yet. Um, so I'll be very interested as to where Legendary fills this in in their uh, their their bylines. Which, uh, speaking of which, Jessica, um, there was a little bit of news about Kong uh, Sk or Skull Island, you know, the, whatever they're calling it now, or Kong Skull Island, because uh, well, I get them mixed up because Universal announced their new ride at Florida, which is Skull Island Kong Revenge or something like that. So they're having, they got two similar names that are reversed. So expect me to butcher and mix these things up until the release of the movie. But we did get confirmation that Kong is a, uh, it's a, it's part two of a planned trilogy, as um, as as Legendary put it. So uh, I guess the way it's going to work out is Godzilla, Kong. Godzilla 2, and then everything's gonna get wrapped up in the cro in the in the versus film. So, and that uh, it's it, oh, okay. And here we go, people. Here we go. So, wh what we what we talked about a few week a few months ago. It is not related to Peter Jackson's movie whatsoever. So get that out of your heads. It's a completely brand new Kong, and it has nothing to do with any of the previous Kong movies that have been made in history. It's brand new. Big monkey fighting God only knows what. So don't you know enough with the size difference, enough with anything. They're pretty much doing what Toho did, and they're just taking Kong, the essential just giant ape, ruler of his land, of his primal land, and they're just running with that. So there we go. Enough with the with the, with the idiocracy. I'm really mad. This I'm just at full ang anger in the last few days, Jessica. Just over fandom. I mean, if if you want to look at fandom from a third-person point of view, it could either be, like, so all-inspiring or will just, like, piss you off to no end. So, you know, this is why people can't have nice things. This is not why we cannot have nice things, Jessica. This is exactly why we cannot have nice things. So we have to tape everything yeah. up, put everything in cellophane, because, yeah, it's just going to get scratched up and ruined eventually. Blah! Blah! So... Uh, oh, one last little bit of Pacific Rim news, Jessica. Uh, Toy Fair was last weekend. Uh, did you say Toy Fair was last weekend? Toy Fair was last weekend. Did you? Yes, uh, it was. It was in New York. Yes, it was. I, it's my one of my bucket list things to do is to go to Toy Fair because I am a giant child in both uh, heart and mentality. So uh, I have a a. a, a, a Jessica scene, I have a large collection of action figures and all kinds of other wonderfully childish things. 
And, uh, of course, uh, I take the art form of the action figure very seriously, so uh, Toy Fair is always on the top of my list at this time of the year. Um, also, that's it's just it's what's coming out this year. And also, we get a sneak peek at all the cool stuff for San Diego, too, because <laughs> now a chunk of that stuff only ends up there, and that's the only place you can get it. Uh, Nika, Nika was on a roll, as they always are. And uh, they announced a whole swath of stuff at... Uh, at Toy Fair. I really do think Nika is just going to overtake them. They're just going to have their own aisle by the end of next year in Toys R Us. It's just going to be the Nika aisle. Right now, it's a, it's the adult collector's aisle, but it, eventually it's just everything's going to be a Nika product. That's all it's going to be. Much like how Hasbro has the corner on the boys' aisle, this will be just the grown-up kids' aisle. And, uh, so, uh, besides re, uh, re, remolding and bringing back the Predator toys of my youth... Uh, they're, they're doing their own take on the Kenner Predator figures, which I would I had every single one because at 10 years old, I loved Predator. Loved it so much. I even loved Predator 2. I loved watching Danny Glover fight a bunch of his space aliens. Uh, they announced, uh, well, they, they revealed the new kaiju for uh, their Pacific Rim line. So they're doing Hardship, which is the, um, the kaiju you see during the flashback sequence, which I think Romeo Blue is fighting. I believe that's the that, that's the Jaeger. Uh, so, we're getting that figure, big deluxe figure, that goes along with the um, deluxe uh, Striker Eureka that came out, which I have to buy because my Striker Eureka's leg broke off and uh, I can't fix it. So, yeah, sad times on that. And then, the big news was, Jessica, they're doing another Godzilla figure. So, yes, I know. I saw that. So, uh, what seems to be a series of one-upsmanship between them and Bandai, because I believe we, well, we talked about it on an episode that I haven't released because, well, uh, technical issues, but uh, Bandai did announce for their SH Monster Arts line that they're doing a GMK uh, Monster Arts figure, and people were like, oh my god, finally! Uh... Nika turned around and like, alright, yeah, cool. You can spend $80 on that, or you can spend 20 bucks on this, and they announced their own GMK figure. And uh, they showed the sculpt, and Jessica, it looks awesome. And, <laughs> of course, I'm going to buy it, because I love that design. Uh, I have bought just about every single Nika Godzilla figure that's come out so far. The only one I don't have is, is 54, which is weird and ironic, because... SH Figure Arts just announced two days ago that they are also putting out their own 54 Godzilla figure. So, um, yeah, there, there, there's a little bit of uh, one-upsmanship going on between those two companies. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but we all win. You collect the Monster figures, you win. You, like me, you collect the Nigga figures, you win. But we're getting a GMK, a, a, an affordable GMK figure, Jessica. I'm so excited. Yes, I know. I mean, especially for those that are collectors, sometimes we really want something and we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So it's good to really have something that's kind of within people's budgets. I mean, maybe somebody's still looking for something cheaper, but, you know, for right now, like you said, it's something that is at least lower in price. So people, we can add it to our collection. Exactly. If anything I've learned in the last few weeks, um, going on the road with uh, my buddy, uh, and helping him sell at comic conventions is that you sell something cheap and affordable, you tend to sell better. And um, I've noticed that uh, Lego is crack cocaine for children. 
and uh, that uh, they, they they sell very well. And if you sell them at a at, at a reasonable price, they will sell in mass quantity too. So uh, I can't wait. Uh, Nika announced a fall or late summer, early fall release for it, which will be cool because uh, I think the sixty the fifty four figure came out in November. I've yet to pick it up, but. That'll be the only figure until the GMK figure, which will be so be about like eight months. So it, it's a good bit of time, but that gives Nika more time to tweak and and design. And I've gone on. I love I love Nika's figures. I'm actually holding the uh, the '94 one in my hand right now. I absolutely love this figure, and I fell in love with their um, their legendary version too. I actually have the big one too. It's sitting on my mantle next to my Gypsy Danger. So, uh, anything that that company does, I am always behind, and I will oh, firmly support them because I love Nika. <coughs> um, yeah, so there, there is, there's that. Let's see what else we have on the list before we wrap this up. Oh, uh, Jessica, there's more Ultraman. There's more Ultraman on Crunchyroll. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I actually finally... I've been using a free country roll account for a while mm -hmm. and you know, I know that there's so many added benefits to it, but yes, they have added new things to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited. I haven't been able to check everything out recently as of late, mm -hmm. but it's nice to know that when it's up there. So whenever it's like binging time or you're ready to kind of start on something new mm -hmm. that you'll have something that's there. So they did add Ultraman Gaia. Which was the I think yes. that was that was the follow up to Tiga, I believe. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which would be the second Heisei series one. So after they took a break in the nineties and then they came back like, Hey, we're bringing Ultraman back and that's when they added the color change gimmick. So that's all up there for your viewing pleasure. And uh oh also coming June, Jessica, we got a new Ultraman series from uh Super Riot. Yes we are. So they have not announced any um any details on that yet? No, no, I don't think they'll do it until closer till the time. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, they still have. I think actually, from this recording, I think we got like it's three weeks out. The uh, Ultraman X movies coming out, which uh, sees X team up with like eight different Ultraman, including the original one. So, I think they're gonna. I think they're going to go over that hump first before they announce what what is essentially going to be the 50th anniversary series. <laughs> so there's a lot of people waiting with bated breath to see what Super Ride does for the 50th anniversary. It's going to be uh, very interesting, very, very, very interesting. And I did, uh, you need to take you need to take a time when you get back from Vegas. What you need to do you need to sit down, you need to close all the verticals, not let any sun in. You need to wrap up a blankie and turn on a control, <laughs> and you need to binge watch the 23 other episodes of Ultraman X you have not watched yet. Yes, I, I tend to do certain series now, thank you to Netflix and Hulu, mm -hmm. binging style. <laughs> so that's what I've been, like, I knew, I knew, gra okay, I was interested in Gravity Falls, which is a Disney uh, show <laughs> uh, that ended uh, that ended recently. Yes. But I, I mean, for various reasons, I didn't have Disney and, you know, work and life and other things. But it was a show that I was like, holy crap, I know this is going to be good because I like the premise of it. Mm -hmm. And also I saw every year at San Diego Comic-Con, I always got invited for like the press interviews. Mm -hmm. So 
during over winter break, I was able to go through all of the episodes. It's only two seasons long because February 15th was the ending, mm-hmm. uh, was the series, was the series finale. And it was kind of planned that way. Uh, however, it was great. So it's one of those moments where I know back in the day when you're watching friends, mm-hmm. but you're not watching it at the time it's slotted, mm-hmm. you're not really a true fan because you're not keeping it up in real time. Mm-hmm. But now with like Hulu TVR, Netflix, you can kind of be a fan of something or become a fan later or catch up being a fan because you just don't have time and life happens. As I would like to tell people sometimes when you only have 24 hours in a day. Yes. So, you know, there are definitely some series where I've written down and I'm waiting for it to not end, but the Mm. series to finish. Just keep off of spoilers or if you want read spoilers up to you and then just watch all of them. When you when you block that one Saturday and you're like, it's Ultraman X time mm-hmm. or it's, you know, so-and-so time. You know, I have a friend who recently just watched all of Community. Wow. And like loves – yeah, and loves it. And it's like, oh, I see what the big deal was. I mean, he felt like he was a little bit late to the game mm-hmm. because, you know, he missed out on all this like community act- activity for the for the fandom. Yeah. But he's still really like part of it. And I was like, you know, they're always going to have – you know, events surrounding it, so I think you'll be okay. But you know, better late than never. Yeah, exactly. So he went. You went. Wow. Yeah. Um, he saw all of Community. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, Community's been technically off the air for like a year and a half now. Um, and the the fervor actually died like two and a half years ago. But hey, it, that's that's why it's out there. You can actually go back and discover it. I mean, I was late to the Doctor Who game. I didn't come until the end of second season, but. When I did, I binge watched both seasons back to back. I didn't catch, I didn't find Avatar until the middle of season two. So you know, you you come in at certain points, but then when you do, you find out, you love it, and then you catch up. And it's you know, I've I've met a lot of people that find that found Flash like that. They're like, yeah, everyone said the first season was great. I just never got around to watching it. Then you know, it came up on Netflix, and I just I binged it over a weekend, and now I don't miss an episode. And I'm like, good, because you'd be a heartless bastard if you did, because Flash is awesome. It's an amazing show. Yes. God, yes, exactly. So Flash is another show that I have friends that are currently binging. Mm-hmm. Oh, tonight's the King Shark episode, too. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Yes, it's the King Shark episode, and they reveal uh, Zoom's identity. <gasps> but not everything. But not everything. Because they, you know why? Why do it all at once? No, of so you I mean, drag do it, it over time. Yeah, drag it out. And not only that, but like, if, 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 like I've been, I'm, tra- I'm telling people, it's like, if you did not, if you didn't find Legends of Tomorrow, the pilot, really that that engaging, like start now because now they're really ru- they they found their stride, they're hitting the ground, they're running, and I'm it's I'm enjoying the crap out of that show. And the teaser that, where they left off last week's episode. With Connor Hawk showing up, I'm just like, <gasps> oh my god! And next week they're doing the Dark Knight uh, Returns Ollie, where he's missing the arm and he's got the full yes. key. And I'm just like, yes. ah, god, take all my money, just take it all. Yeah, I can't. Oh god, I can't wait. It's a god. It's a beautiful time we live in. Beautiful time, Jessica. Oh, there's so much going. Oh god, there's so much, there's so much greatness. We got WonderCon coming up. Greatness coming there. And then after that's Monster Palooza out here in uh, 
in uh, good old Pasadena, your home, your your hometown, your turf, where uh, you roam yes. the streets, defending it from uh, from uh, middle-aged, uh, you know, uh, white, you know, non-do-gooders. <laughs> yeah, yes, Pasadena's real suspect, people. It gets shady. You see, a, you see a, a 98 Corolla running around there. You're like, oh, what's he doing here? He doesn't belong in this area. This is a Prius-only town. <laughs> you know that's true. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Pasadena's having more and more events. <laughs> uh, hey, that's a good thing. Well, hey, uh, if you're not going to Monster Palooza this year, you probably should. A, it's moved out of Burbank, which is a good thing, because uh, it outgrew that location a long time ago. And uh, B, it is chock full of Godzilla goodness this year. It's, I mean, I, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, but there's just so much going on there that it, you have to come down. I'm, I know, I believe that uh, Kyle from the Kaiju cast is coming down, so hopefully that weekend uh, we'll get together, we'll, get, we'll have like a joint show, like a Kaiju cast, X Kaiju Kingdom podcast show, um, and uh, we'll be, I, I definitely will be there. Jessica may or may not be there, depending on what is going on in her life at that moment. But if you guys are in the area, come say hi, because we'll be wandering around. At least I'll be wandering around. And, yeah, it's going to be great. Monster Blues is a fun show. I Sans the, the crowds, I love going to Monster Blues, because it's a giant... It's a show... It's not a horror show. It's a show dedicated to the art of makeup effects and just monsters. And you just... It's just—it's so good. It's so one. It's just makes you feel so alive. And uh, not only that, but there's uh, there, there's a there's always a like a, a pleasantness in the atmosphere. Everyone there is having a great time. They're also kind of drunk too because they serve a lot of booze. But that's besides the point. So, uh, I think that's it, Jessica. God, what, where are we at? Yeah, I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna call it a short show. Um, considering that it's kind of late and you were out in Vegas. So, uh, anything else before we leave? Before we wrap, wrap this up, Jessica? No, I I think we're actually, we are good to go for today. I think the best part was probably, or the best part and also the news of the day was definitely Stephen tonight. Yes, very much so. So, um, on that note then, Jessica, where are going to give people find more of, uh, more of our work? You can find us actually on Facebook under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. You know, like us, be our friends, comment. You know, we'll definitely comment back. We always love to have community interaction there. We are also on Tumblr under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And then we are on Twitter as the Kaiju Kingdom. There is no podcast at the end of that. Our uh, username is a little bit truncated just due to the limited numbers. <laughs> and uh, you should be seeing a lot more, um, a lot more interaction on our Twitter account now too. So I have, uh, I have adjusted for such. So yeah. So if uh, you're following us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter now too, because uh, there's a lot more coming on there. Um, and uh, where can people find more of you, Jessica? Yes, you can actually. You can always feel free to Facebook friend me on on Facebook. It is Jessica Sang T S E A N G. Just be sure to Facebook inbox me first. I will be sure to check. And then just, you know, so we don't have any randos friending each other. 
And then definitely I would be more than happy to accept your Facebook friend request. I've met and spoken to many excellent people online. You know, who knew? Podcast is bringing in new friends and new, like, good people in our lives. Um, I'm also on the comicbookgirl.com and girlongeek.com and also uh, littlegeekgirls.com, which is aimed for girls 12 and under. Look at that. Oh, it's doing so many great things. So, uh, yeah, and then, uh, of course, uh, you can always find this show over at therealmcast.com, our new home. Um, stay tuned. Many great things coming to the Realmcast. Uh, we've been, most of our shows have kind of been on a break uh, since the, since Christmas. Uh, that's because, uh, as I kind of mentioned uh, in, in, in my rankings earlier, uh, my friend George and I are kind of off doing a few other ventures at the moment, so those are wrapping up, and uh, we are uh, we're getting ready to relaunch the site as uh, as something new and bold and great. So do stick around for that. Um, and uh, when we do, uh, there'll be a plethora of podcasts and, uh, and other things to watch and listen to on there. So just check that out. But in the meantime, go check out some of our, uh, of our other shows. We did put up a new um, take two where we sat down and talked with Livio Ramondelli. Uh, artist extraordinaire from IDW's Transformer series. So that's that. That was a fun. Uh, that was a real fun interview. So go check that out if uh, if, if that's uh, if that's up your alley. So all right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. So for myself and Jessica. Thanks for listening. 